All right. Welcome back to the Host by Tori show. Today, we have a very special and different episode with the founders of the Matrescence, Megan and Lauren. So the Matrescence was born out of a desire to provide more maternal support after personally facing bouts of debilitating anxiety, feelings of loneliness, and an attempt to seek validation and connection. These are two moms. Uh, Lauren is a board-certified psych psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner and boy mom times three and Megan is a marketing guru and mom of three under six. Um, They're both on a mission to change the landscape of maternal mental health and to identify its role and importance to overall wellness. So um, the Matrescence is a digital maternal mental health community and app providing a space to learn, heal and grow. What I love about this episode is that it's not or that it's not necessarily just for Uh, moms now. It's for moms, future moms, and more really having the conversation around parenting, division of labor, mental health, and alcohol more broadly. So really, it's for anyone. Um, As always, this is a non-judgment zone, and we covered quite a few topics. We talked about what exactly is mommy wine culture and how it uses humor as a shield for stressors during tough parenting moments. The division of labor across parents who take care of the household versus go into a more traditional corporate job. How motherhood can be a beautiful chapter, but also not be your entire identity. Uh, Mental health awareness around parenting and what causes the breaking point of motherhood. What things you can gravitate to when you're stressed instead of alcohol. And then how I candidly think about the trade-offs on when I want to start a family. So I'm so excited for you all to listen to this one on a topic that I personally have not been as familiar with. And I think it's really important to touch on. And as always, if you do like the show and enjoy it, I would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate if you gave the show five stars on Spotify or Apple and or left a review. So with that, let's get into it. So how would you define mommy wine culture? We would define mommy wine culture as the use of using humor kind of as a shield of using this unhealthy or can be unhealthy coping mechanism and leaning on alcohol, typically wine, um, as a stressor for tough parenting moments because parenting is tough. Um, but that doesn't mean that we need to reach for, um, alcohol every time that we're stressed out. And I think that unfortunately it's, um, become like cool or trendy or necessary to need alcohol to parent. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've heard that beyond just like mom, mommy, wine culture, anything like related to parenting, it's the like humor played into being hungover, like drinking too much is so prevalent in like society today. And so I'd be interested to understand as you've evolved into becoming parents and have seen more of this, what has your experience looked like with it? Is it uh, when moms are getting together, always having alcohol around? Is it centering kids activities with drinking or like what exactly has been the experience that you guys have had with it? Yeah, it's definitely been interesting to view it from the lens of motherhood and to see how prevalent it is in those situations where um, the core of the event is something so unrelated to alcohol, but it always weasels its way in. And it's almost become this just assumption that there will be alcohol at every event that you go to. Um, So it's been interesting to 
kind of as you go through parenthood and see um, the typical things that people are leaning on in stressful times and that this is being so normalized and almost somewhat encouraged to um, drink to take the edge off of parenting. So it's, it has been really interesting to, to view it from the lens of a mom. Like what exactly have been those use cases? Is it like at a soccer game, we're having mimosas? Is it, you know, we're having a play date and wine's being cracked open? Like, give me some use cases where you're seeing it being like really worked into uh, those situations, because it's also um, it's just society, right? It's like society brings drinking into all of these situations that have nothing to do with alcohol, Right. And it becomes normalized. It's become the societal norm. And so then that translates itself to those other types of events as you get older and and are in stressful situations. People kind of lean on it. So would love to hear like more granularly where you see it like coming up more and more. I think it'd be more challenging to name places we don't see it, unfortunately. I mean, it's literally at kids' birthday parties from the time they're one at their first birthday. It's to well, it's four o'clock and we're walking to the park. Let's just put it in a tumbler or a solo cup. Um, if it's a play date afternoon, you can assume that maybe someone wants to indulge. Um, and it's not to say that you can't ever do those things or those things are wrong or shameful, but when it is like all of a sudden four or five days a week, for me, that is a personal problem and I cannot tolerate it or don't wish to drink that often. And um, it also becomes a slippery slope for me when I don't want my kids to be exposed to that mindset that in order to have fun, in order to relax, um, anytime there's a celebration, that alcohol has to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. And and talk to me a little bit about the concept of um, drinking while having a child because I have no responsibilities right now. I don't have a child. I don't have a dog. I have a husband that like we are very independent and come together for dinner. But like if I do have a drink, that's on me for whatever I want to do later in that day. I have no one else to take care of. And so I find it really interesting that the drinking and kind of like mechanism around um, dealing with the stress then you're going to feel a certain way and then have to take care of like kids with that. And so how do you guys feel around the balance of alcohol with enjoying it when you want to enjoy it, um, but then recognizing you have other people to kind of take care of as well? And and there is that kind of like balance there. Would be interested in your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, Um I mean, it is. It's so hard because it, like Megan said, it is a slippery slope and having, um, you know, a drink with friends out at dinner or if you're, um, you know, using it for special occasions and there is no no shame around that. And Megan and I love a good glass of red wine here or there. Um, we've really revisit our, revisited our relationship with alcohol through motherhood because of how normalized it has become and how in hindsight, in those experiences, especially I'm speaking for myself, how irritable and exhausted it makes me in the end, like it might take the edge off in those stressful moments and maybe in the moment make me feel a little better. But the lingering effects, if I have a drink during the day and then at nighttime, I'm trying to do dinner and I'm trying to do bedtime and it's really this chaotic period of time after school till bedtime, I find myself being way more stressed and kind of amped up um, from kind of 
having that drink midday and my energy takes a huge hit. So it goes back to it's so normalized for moms to drink, you know, during the day at the birthday party. And I, I feel like I found myself kind of um, proactively making excuses if I have something to do that night or I haven't worked out that day or I have something that I want to do. I'm almost trying to like come up with excuses of if I'm faced with this decision or faced with, you know, we're all drinking, what's my excuse going to be to not? Because I know that I'm not going to have the energy and enthusiasm um, to go do those other things. And it does make them harder. Uh, yeah. And not to mention too, if you do like go above that threshold of maybe like one day, you know, one drink and you're having a birthday party and there's all these kids around or you're in a situation, you're at a pool and there are those dangers. I mean, your judgment and your parenting are clouded. There have definitely been instances where, that I've, you know, been at an event or it's been my own personal situation where alcohol has impeded my parenting. And that is the, you know, that's the scary thing is that it's so interlaced in events and parenting and kids being around that a, like Megan said, we're teaching our kids that in order for us to have fun and in order for us to relax and enjoy our kids, alcohol has to be involved. And then there's a whole nother side of it of, um, you know, are we being safe and are we able to really be present, um, effective parents if there's, if there's alcohol involved? Yeah. And that first point I find so interesting because the concept of feeling like we need to make an excuse for why we're not drinking. And that's not just for you guys. That's for everyone, right? They want the excuse like I'm driving or, oh, I have a workout class or I have to get up really early the next day. Like there are so many things people want to point to because they feel like saying they don't want to drink is not enough. And so in those situations, have you felt peer pressured by other moms? Are there any non-alcoholic options like sparkling water or is that frowned upon? Like walk me through or tell me a, a situation maybe that even potentially hypothetical that you've been in and, and maybe your feelings around saying you you didn't want to drink that day. I <clears throat> sorry. I think that um, it's made us both step back and really evaluate our relationships um, with others, whether those are friends or family members, and our values um, pretty deeply recently. Um, because I think there's been situations where I do feel like I need to like make an excuse. Um, but when it comes down to it, it's really because they're uncomfortable. They no, want totally. me to be drinking. Totally. And so I've kind of had to like own that and um, let that be their problem and my, not my problem to worry about. But then also I've really been trying to not make an excuse, not make an announcement to just not do it. The other night I was out with girlfriends and I ordered a mocktail and no one said anything. No one cared. I don't know if they didn't even notice or they just truly didn't Which care. Which is super refreshing great. because I feel like Typically, if you aren't around people who truly kind of know you as a person and your values and what your your lifestyle is, um, it can very easily be skewed into like, well, there must be something wrong or like, are you pregnant or there's mu there must be another reason when in reality, if you're surrounding yourself with people who just understand that that's kind of part of your lifestyle and you're trying to be more mindful of it, it doesn't have to be this big conversation or announcement or reason. It just yeah. is what it yeah. is. Were you going to say something? Yeah. So that, that's what I was going to say is um, 
I didn't feel the need to make an excuse because of who I was with. And I think, you know, it's, it's really letting some relationships go if they were based off of that. Maybe that's mm-hmm. not your lifestyle anymore. And I definitely had a phase of, I lived in Chicago all of my 20s. It was very heavy drinking culture. I met most of my friends and my husband at a bar. Wait, I didn't um, know. I didn't know that. Yeah. I grew up in Chicago. So yeah. Uh, suburbs. Okay. Yeah. Bucktown. I miss it a lot. But I. that's another thing, though. I miss 27-year-old Megan in Chicago. Yeah. I do not. I would not want to take my three kids and live there um, in our um, third floor apartment without an elevator. Yeah. The idea of just like parenting in general and like all of the mental health aspects that go into it, which I think like you guys are able to shed a lot of light on and and the resources. But just like up until the past couple of years, like I knew nothing about how hard motherhood was because I feel like people didn't really talk about it as much. Um, It was always something that was more like hush hush um, and it was felt that you – shouldn't complain or you you shouldn't have you know things be stressed out because you have this like family and you have these kids but it's really hard like parenting seems really hard and I would love to to talk more about the concept of like how you think about offering resources for for people who are going through struggles parenting um what you talk about with other moms like what are those types of stressors and what else could we lean on other than alcohol, if you think that people potentially are doing that? Yeah, we love this question. And I think that's why we're so passionate about our partnership and relationship with you and this conversation, because we love to just shed light on that, on the um, conversation around motherhood and how it's okay to have these ambivalent feelings. It's normal for it to be the most joyous and fun chapter that you've ever been in, but also at the same time, very hard. And there are, you know, ups and downs um, of motherhood and there's inevitable stressors that are going to come. And uh, it's really eye-opening to re- to kind of revisit that relationship with alcohol and understand the toll that it's taking on maybe all of these other pillars that are part of your overall health and wellness. And I think that goes for anyone, but especially in motherhood, when your sleep quality and quantity is taking a hit, you're kind of putting yourself last. And maybe some of the things that used to bring you joy aren't as attainable. Um, It's a lot easier to, you know, go grab for that glass of wine to kind of take the edge off um, than maybe carving out that time and going and finding a, a workout to do or something. But really looking at all of those pieces and figuring out what other healthy coping mechanisms you can lean on in times of stress, because the stressors of motherhood are endless. Every time I think, okay, we're in a good spot, everybody's sleeping, we're doing pretty good. There's always something that comes next and not to be fear mongering. It's just, I think motherhood and parenthood in general, um, you have to kind of rebuild that toolkit to what makes sense for, like Megan was saying, 30, 30 year old Megan with children is maybe going to act different and make different decisions than 24 year old Megan living in Chicago. So um, just revisiting those things and packing your toolkit with healthy coping mechanisms so that you're modeling, um, you know, healthy strategies for your kids and you're kind of able to cope in other ways because there are a lot more stressors in motherhood. So you're kind of facing that like, okay, what am I going to, what am I going to lean on today? Yeah. 
And you're right. It has been a hushed conversation and asking for support has been like this sign of weakness and we should do it all and put a pretty filter on it and move on. And I think, you know, this mommy culture, these memes and these jokes come about like we need a break from our kids or they drove me to drink or whatever. And like, is that what's driving you to drink or is it all of the unpaid labor and the mental load of motherhood that is your breaking point? Because there's so many times I'll like get a trip or a time away from my kids. I miss them so much. I don't miss the laundry. I don't miss all of the meal planning and the cooking and the making sure the soccer uniform's clean and all of that. It's the mental load and stuff that I'm not doing a good job delegating to my partner or that I'm not receiving the help when it's offered um, from my friends. And that's where I get to a breaking point. And then I do feel like I need that drink for a relief, but it's so short term fix. And then it's just this cycle of it makes parenting more difficult, um, ironically, and then you need it again. So if if we're really like doing some self-reflecting and getting to the root of why am I so stressed out to where I'm thinking that I need a drink? Yeah. Well, the other thing that I think is really interesting about this is that it's all put on, like everyone's criticizing the woman. And I'm not a pure feminist or anything like that. Like I support and want to like protect women and empower them uh, through career, through motherhood, through all these things. But I'm not saying that men are bad in in any case. Um, I love my partner and he is like a very true partnership in every kind of sort of uh, aspect of life that we do. But for the woman, right, if you if you have a career, you're not seeing enough of your kid. It's so you're like a bad mom, right? And then if you uh, are, you know, a stay-at-home mom and you're taking care of your kids and you do feel that exhaustion and you want time away, it's like, well, why are you complaining about your kids? All you're doing is like staying home. And the concept of staying of stay-at-home mom being harder and what a lot of people are realizing now, like a harder job. And I think COVID helped accelerate that when men had to see what women were dealing with at home with the the kids, if that was the dynamic or vice versa, right? Because I don't want to put any kind of societal norm on who's the one who may be working full time in that relationship. But um, a lot of people can view the stay at home job now as much more difficult than leaving at seven or 8 a.m., you know, working a, a corporate job and coming home and and having dinner and seeing the kids and maybe doing bath time and putting them to bed. But like, would love to hear your perspective on just the concept of like breaking down the woman and all the pressure we put on in no matter like what facet of their life. I love this that you go there and we have very supportive hands on partners. So it is never a knock on them. Usually it's a knock on me because I don't ask for the help or I don't communicate Mm. what I really need. It's not that he's not willing to do it or um, doesn't help. Sometimes he just doesn't know what's been done or hasn't been done and taken care of. Um, But it is interesting that there's this whole like mommy wine culture movement But I don't know a term or a slogan for it for when our husbands come home and have a glass of whiskey. Like, that's just fine and normalized and, you know, it's not shamed. Um, And he has healthy boundaries with it, so that's fine. I don't care. But it's funny that there's this mommy version of it that's, you know, toxic and – there's not really a well i i think the i think the thing too about mommy wine culture is that what it's portraying is that the woman is is so um not fed up but she's dealt so much with her kids that she needs a drink and that 
it's portraying that she thinks her kids are like stressing or it's so hard. And the reality is, and, and what you're saying, Megan, is like it is really hard. And that mental load of three kids and getting them all off to school or daycare and taking care of things around the house and picking them up and they're complaining and they won't eat their food or like all of that. It is really hard, right? And so uh, what do people want to decompress with? And it's been portrayed as a drink, but how do we change that narrative? How do we make that into something that's not necessarily a drink? Because I think the actual uh, underlying core statement in it like makes general sense on why someone would feel like their job is hard and staying home and, and taking care of kids, but it's the alcohol that's brought into it, which I think is the challenging part because it is that vicious cycle. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, I think there's lots of ways that we can look to um, replace that drink. And it's with finding ourselves again. I think so often in motherhood, we, you know, you think and you're like, oh, she's so selfless. She gives everything to her children. And then what's left for you? Like, do you still have hobbies? Do you still have things you enjoy? And maybe that's what you need is time to reconnect with yourself or reconnect with friends and find community that aren't doing those things. Maybe it's going for a walk around the neighborhood or calling a friend or journaling. Yeah. There's so many different modalities that you can use to cope yeah. when you're stressed. And it's just practicing those in the good times too, so that when you're having those tough times, you know what to reach for instead of the convenient um, option that might might be more convenient option of a drink or more familiar. It's, it's really kind of stretching and flexing that muscle on the good days too. Yeah. I think like you said, one the biggest piece of it too, and it would be interesting too, to dive into like the psychology of the marketing and why moms kind of jump on this train, regardless of if that's what they actually want to do. And it probably does come down to kind of that isolation of motherhood and like feeling like you're seen and feeling like you're part of this movement. When, like you said, Tori, we need to change the narrative. Like you can still create community and surround yourself with women who are making decisions similar to yours so that you're not constantly faced with kind of this bombardment of mommy wine culture and changing the narrative to kind of embody these other healthy coping mechanisms where we can take care of ourselves and we can relax in other ways um, and really trying to kind of fight back on that being the only way to create this community and motherhood because there's so many other ways that we could do it. Yeah. Have you guys felt like you've been able to still have those hobbies, still have those friendships, still make time to do the travel? Because candidly, and I've thought a lot about this, like I just got married, I'm 28, turning 29 in a couple months, and it really scares me to not be able to like prioritize hobbies, to not be able to do the kind of travel, to not have as much time spent into like my actual friendships with people, even though I know a family, an extended family, would bring me so much joy. And so how do you guys think about that? Did you think about that before you started having kids? Is it something you thought more about recently? Do you feel like being a mom is your identity? Like, I would love to hear a little bit more about all those aspects. This is fun. Um, and I love that you're so in tune and thinking of this. And I, I also like hate that there's so much fear out there that motherhood is this horrible thing. And then you're going to be lost forever. We love being moms and we love traveling. We've traveled solo 
semi-recently. Probably need to do that again. <laughs> We've taken our kids to Mexico together on awesome vacations. You can still do really fun things and live up to your values and it just looks different. I mean, but it just looks different. I mean, you you probably don't enjoy going to the same restaurants or traveling the same places you did 10 years ago because you've just evolved. And that just continues to happen. And we actually went on a vacation without our kids in a few months ago. And I was like, dang, this would be so much more fun if they were here, like seeing the whales on the mm. boat and things. And yes, it's harder for some aspects, um, but it's so cool to just see life through their eyes that, yeah, you just have to, It. I mean, yeah, you're not going to go on long eight day girl trips or things like you just, it just changes. I don't know how else to describe it is, but I just embrace it because they just, they do make my world so much better. It's yeah. Worth it. Yeah. It's easy to get kind of lost in that like motherhood, like martyrdom and feel like, you yeah. know, you're, you just have to succumb to this. Like you're no one anymore. You're, you know, McCoy's mommy now and that's it. But you can have both. You can still be a very, present, loving, um, secure mother figure and also have your own identity. And I think that's a huge shift that we're trying to make in society now too. And we're seeing it outside of our community and trying to shed light on it. There's other movements kind of in this generation below us where women are leaning into taking care of themselves, creating a registry for themselves um, when they're pregnant and kind of you know, cool. putting, yeah, kind of creating ways to support themselves through motherhood, because I think they're seeing kind of this shift that has happened in our generation and above where it kind of was that martyrdom mindset where, and it was scary. And a lot of women, I think were like, man, you know, I really want kids, but how can I kind of change this narrative and um, still keep myself afloat? So I love that there is a shift kind of happening on moms, women kind of going to and through motherhood to put those pillars of support in place to focus on themselves a little bit. Um, and to know that motherhood doesn't have to completely define you. And it's this wonderful, beautiful chapter, but you can also still be you and you can still have time for yourself and it, it might just look different. Yeah. I have a question around, uh, division of labor. And so when you think of your job, I would assume it would be a stay-at-home mom, right? Or like that's your day-to-day and your husband's – and correct me if I'm wrong – and your husband's like are maybe going into like a corporate job, but you still have jobs. And so when you think of like the actual day-to-day work, do you have specific tasks for house, for kids, for the dog that each person is taking care of? Or is it on a day-by-day basis like where you're needing more bandwidth? Um I would I'd be interested to hear that. I personally, with no kids, we have very distinct responsibilities. And for us, that works because then we know who's in charge and there's no like one person picking up the slack and then the other person's getting frustrated because the other person has been like slacking on on not doing something. And that has always worked for us, just like knowing what we need to get done, but would be interested to hear how you think about splitting tasks. You want to go first? <laughs> we we were having this. This is funny because we were having this conversation this morning. Um, you know, my husband had sent me this post about how 
being a stay-at-home mom is like what it was 98 98 working hours a week or something and it's crazy it is crazy and then on top of that we are working you know yeah we're not going in and clocking well yes you have your yes right right we're not we're not clocking into a corporate job but there are things outside of running a household which is a full more than a full-time job to be a stay-at-home mom it's I in my opinion and experience one of the hardest jobs in the world. And so it is really hard when you feel like you are working just as many hours and you're working just as hard, but maybe you're not the one being the primary breadwinner and you feel like you have to keep up with everything else, um, which just isn't the case. The household is, in in my opinion, a shared, shared thing. And like you said, I think having those conversations and knowing that you can relinquish some of that control and you need to communicate. Um, our husbands can't read our minds. I've had to remind myself yes. of that through the years. Is like, how does he not know or see that I need help with this? But they're very black and white. I feel like men think very differently than women. They're wired differently than us. And so for us, it's been really communicating those things. And me telling him directly, this would really help me if you take this or like, this is something you enjoy doing more than me. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing this. So we have things that we just know. Um, like you said, we have things that we do or we don't do. My husband does the dishes every night. I do bath time. Um, so just leaning into that and communicating, I think is so important because it is so easy to drown in the mental load. Um, if you're not communicating your needs and how that division of labor can be split because it is another full-time gig. Yeah. So I will say two things. Um, I've done full-time working, part-time working, full-time stay-at-home mom, and they all have their benefits and challenges. It's it's just is what it is. Um, so I don't even know which one I would pick if I went back. But for what works for me and my husband is we have a debrief on Sunday nights to set us up for the week. Um, he doesn't go into a traditional office. So his weeks like today, he's off all day. So he's doing random things like changing light bulbs and like shuttling the kids. Um, but then there's days where he's gone for extended periods of time and I do everything. So we, we don't have like a, a set, I do this, you do that kind of thing. It like is constantly changing based off of workloads, um, hours, important meetings, if there's travel. Yeah. Um, and then also knowing that I think like, I'm a, like, I love the book fair play and the documentary and all of that. And I 100% am on board with that, that there needs to be a division of labor, but it is never going to be 50, yeah. 50. And I think that women can kind of get caught up in this like scorekeeping while I do more. Um, no one wins at that game. And so I think we're just, you know, we kind of constantly recalibrate. And one thing that's interesting in in our relationship is he's really good about letting me go out with my friends or go off or get a sitter when I need to. But then I feel like he doesn't get, he doesn't get as much him time as, Mm. as I probably do because he's either working or, or with the kids. So, um, it's hard for me to be like, yes, go golfing for eight hours this weekend. <laughs> so that's something that I, I need to work on a little bit too. Yeah. It's interesting, Lauren, because you, you made a point on you not being the necessarily like primary breadwinner. But the truth of it is 
is that if you were in a job where you had to be gone for eight hours a day, you'd have to hire help, which would be like a massive expense as well associated with that for, I guess, for younger kids, but also even after school or taking them to practice, like any of those types of things, you would have to like outsource help. And so I do think there is a trade-off there where it's like, it's not only someone who's making all of the money, there's someone who's saving money by helping with other things at the home. And like daily life is so hard. I was talking to Cam about this past weekend. Like we're writing thank yous for the wedding. We're doing boxes. We're doing returns. Like the long, like all the things. We're also getting a dog. So having like all this like dog (laughs) prep. But I'm like, there's so much to do every week. Like, and I think a better term is um, like not head of household, but it's not just stay at home mom. It's like everything house because the day-to-day of like all of that is super intense as well. Yes. I, yeah, I felt the weight of that this week. It feels like, and I'm speaking for myself, but I've had lots of conversations recently with moms that it feels sometimes like motherhood, you are kind of like doggy paddling and you're, you're staying afloat. You're good. You know, when things are good, um, you can maintain and everything feels, um, attainable. But then those big life stressors, like we talked about, kind of those inevitable this week we've had, it's kind of like when it rains, it pours. It has felt like, you know, the laundry room flooded and the car air conditioning broke down. So then it does, it's like those little tasks that you didn't prepare for. Like you can prepare all you want for your like normal week and what that's going to look like. But then you have a kid gets sick or the car breaks or, you know, all these inevitable kind of just life things that happen. Um, And it is, it's hard to just get through kind of the daily stressors. And so I think just going back on, circling back on this entire conversation and kind of building that resilience by having support pillars in place and having these conversations and um, revisiting your relationship with alcohol is a really important one um, because it would be really, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, well, like, what exactly are you hearing from your community when you're having these conversations with them, like what for them are most top of mind related to everything motherhood? What are their most common like, stressors? Or? Like, stre- like common stressors, where do they feel like they mm-hmm. need more support? Like what, what resources do you provide them that they feel like they're getting the most value from? Um, going back to work is a lot. We have a really awesome resource on preparing for that and making sure that you are involving your partner and support system so that you don't accidentally start taking on all of the load of drop-offs and pickups and washing the bottles and the bringing the pump back and forth and all of the things that kind of come into that and being the default for sick kid days. That is a really big stressor that no one prepares you for in motherhood. Wait, I I literally thought this about the thought about this the other day. The fact that I would just be like, I'm not feeling well. I need to go home. And my mom would like either have to come home from work or she'd just be like, okay, like watch TV for the whole I mean, I don't know. Like I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not and if you are like working from home, like we 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 actually have a new office now, but when we were working from home, um you do become the default because it's like, well, you're there or your job's right. more flexible or whatever, but you run out of PTO days, you run out of, and it puts you behind on things. So it's kind of like having a game plan for that too. So I think that's a big stressor and sleep um, is probably the top that so many problems that all everyone in our community has, if we really dig down to it, 
if we were all prioritizing sleep, um, I think a lot of those would alleviate. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's hard. And if you're telling someone with um, a baby under one that, they immediately would just like want to wring your neck um, because we know how hard that is. But you have to protect your sleep. There's another like, I don't even know what to call it, like this trend on social media where parents like stay up late and watch Netflix and like eat their favorite snacks after their kids go to bed. But if you're doing that until midnight and you know your baby's waking up at three o'clock and five o'clock, setting yourself for ultimate ultimate failure so well we I feel like protect that I feel like that's very similar to just like grind and hustle culture for like working and I used to work in uh finance and now work more in tech kind of on the finance side but it was like grind 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 stay up super late uh and that's not really cool anymore it's like cool to actually feel rested for your job it's cool to get enough sleep and I feel like that paradigm has kind of been shifting but yes I've definitely seen the um, adult, like now I have time to relax while my kids like gone to sleep, but they're going to have to get up in a couple of hours and deal with it. Yeah. So my family and friends make fun of me because like, I don't respond to text messages after 8.30 PM because I go to bed. <laughs> and um, I, that's a shift I had to make. It was one that was um, a hard lesson for me to learn, but um, just helping people prioritize sleep and educating them on the value of that. Yeah. And I think that goes right back to to um, revisiting their, your relationship with alcohol, especially in that season, if you have kids who are up in the middle of the night, because it's definitely not going to do anything for your quality of sleep. Um, so I think just important to shed light on, you know, is that a factor? Do you notice a difference in how you feel, think, act the next day um, after you've had alcohol and you don't sleep as good and you're up and um, it's kind of can be a vicious cycle. So I think just another important um, yeah. way to look at it and why you sh- maybe could, you know, revisit it and it doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It can be small shifts just to see. Yeah, I cannot imagine a uh, hungover morning with a child or three <laughs> children. So um, bless those who do that. Um, so tell everyone a little bit about like what you offer for your community, like what you're um, trying to promote and where they can find everything you're doing. Um, you can find us at thematrescence.com or at thematrescence on Instagram. We are a maternal mental health um, community, a digital community. So we are really packing um, it full of everything we kind of wish we would have had in that season and everything we continue to lean on to support ourselves through motherhood. So we do um, events and peer support calls. We have an entire library of expert curated resources from maternal experts, whether that's lactation, pelvic floor, therapist, pediatrician. So something in there for every woman kind of going through that chapter. Um, we have a library of mindfulness and meditation activities, um, made really just with mom in mind and specific stressors to mama. We're going to pack some in there with kiddos involved too, to kind of, um, encourage them to join you when, when they're around and you're trying to kind of lean into those tools. Um, and then just community. I think the biggest thing, uh, missing from motherhood these days with transplants and everyone kind of having this privacy fence mentality is, a community of moms to lean on when you have those inevitable stressors that come up and can lean on other women who have been there and tools that have worked for them. And then when you're doing good and something has worked for you, offering that same support um, to the women. So we have a private community where you can 
connect with other mamas and um, yeah. I love that. I can't wait to use you guys in however long that may be, but I think it's so cool because there's not something right there that's like a good resource from what I can tell. And I know a lot of people who are recently trying to get pregnant who have got pregnant and they're like, oh my God, like where can I find information on on how to um, help with some of these things and just like learn more. And I think the community, to your point, is such a great idea in terms of just like connection and talking through these things. So thank you both for coming on. This was great. And talk to you later. Thanks, Tori. We appreciate you. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. As you know, I am not a specialist and I am not trained to give advice whatsoever. These are just my own personal thoughts and conversations. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate or review the show. If you can, it helps so, so much. And feel free to find me on social channels, Host by Tori, and my website, www.hostbytori.com. See ya!